0: Isn't that great? Don't you love that stuff? Man, I love that stuff. What a blessing. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll be happy to loan you one. Here at Calvary Chapel, it's all about spending time in God's Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by? Word of God. Read the book, don't wait for the movie, right? So we need to be in God's Word. And so I want to encourage you, just if you don't have one with you, raise your hand. Again, we'll loan you one. And if you need to, please take that home as our gift. If you if you don't have a Bible at home or you like that one better, please take it, okay? Now to catch us up, Romans chapter 4. Romans follows the Gospels and it follows the book of Acts in the New Testament. If you've been here before or if you're new here for the first time, what we do here at Calvary is we just teach right through the Bible. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We started in Matthew chapter 1 on Sunday mornings. We taught all the Gospels, we looked at the book of Acts, and now we're in Romans. Now the Gospels... Gospel means good news. We saw the good news of Jesus Christ, His life, why He came, who He was, how He lived. We know that He is God. He's 100% man, 100% God, and He came that we might have life. In the book of Acts, we saw the first century church and how we are to live, and how the first century church, God used them to turn the known world upside down, or really right side up, amen? And He did it because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, and for us as a church today, if we're to have an impact on the world around us, we too must be empowered by the Spirit. Now we get to Romans, and this is Paul's letter to a church in Rome. Romans is an epistle, another word for letter. And this letter is being read to this church to exhort them. The book of Romans is the book that is referred to most often as the greatest book of, of doctrine in the entire Bible. Now the first three chapters, those of you who've been here, have been pretty heavy, huh? Amen? Thick stuff. And it's all been about the doctrine of sin. Now we move on after the first three chapters looking at the doctrine of sin that we are all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. If you came here this morning and you didn't know it, let me just tell you right now, so you understand, you're a sinner. Amen? How many sinners we got? Raise your hand. If if your hand's not up, you're lying right now and you just sinned again, okay? So here's the reality. We are all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. But here's the good news. After the doctrine of sin, we're now moving into the doctrine of salvation. Because we are sinners Then we see our need for a Savior. Without the realization of sin, we'll see no need for a Savior. After we go through the doctrine of salvation in Romans, we'll later see the doctrine of sanctification, living holy lives, being set apart to God. Then we'll see the doctrine of God's sovereignty, that He's in control, He's a faithful God, He's he's watching over every aspect of our lives. And then lastly, the doctrine of service, the fruit of ministry. So this morning, as we get to Romans chapter 4, I titled the message, Understanding God's Grace. You're a note taker, write down, understanding God's grace. And let me just tell you that I believe this is one of the things that people struggle with both outside and inside the church. You know what really breaks my heart as a pastor, and I hear this more frequently than than I wish I did. I hear people say to me, it's too hard to be a Christian. Or they'll say, it's so difficult. You know what, it's only difficult if we've missed out on God's grace. Because if we understand God's grace, we'll see and realize it's not by my good works, it's not by me trying harder. Because here's the reality, you guys. Christianity is not about behaving, but believing. Amen? And too often we think we've got to behave so God will somehow love us, but when we believe, then we will behave. It's falling, falling in love with Him first. So I want us to understand God's grace, the grace of God, and com- contrast that work th- with the works of men. We are to walk in holiness. I know it's hard to understand and grasp those two things. Wait a minute, we're to trust in God's grace, but we're to walk in holiness. How does that work together? We're going to talk about this. Having it clearly established again that we're all sinners, He then moves on now that we understand that we've missed the mark, and it's His desire for us to be holy, but He tells us how we can do that. And he just thoroughly explains the grace of God. So, how can sinful man come to holy God? God can't have sin in heaven, or he'd have what? Earth part two. If God had one sin in heaven, he'd have earth all over again. So, we all raised our hands. We all said we're sinners. There can't be one sin in heaven. So, wait, we've got a problem. How do we get into heaven? God's grace, His shed blood upon the cross. There's no other way that we can get in heaven. We can't work hard enough to wipe out our sin. We can't go to church enough to wipe out our sin. We can't do enough rituals to wipe out our sin. We can't give enough to charity. We can't do anything that will take care of our sin problem apart from believing in Jesus Christ. Romans 3 Verses twenty four and twenty five says we are justified freely by his grace through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. How are we justified? Last week we started talking about justification. Justification, big word. Just remember it this way: just as if I never sinned, justification, right? Just as if I never sinned. I'm a sinner. So how is it that I can it can be come that just as if I never sinned? How do I go from being here? To overhear, what what moves me? What is it that forgives me? Justification comes by faith, not by the keeping of the law. Look at the last few verses of Romans three from last week. Read verses twenty-seven through thirty-one. It says, "Where is boasting then? Is it a, it's, is it is it is excluded? By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude." that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On On the contrary, we establish the law. You know what? These words may have sounded really heretical to them to understand that it wasn't the law that saved them. What were the Jews all about, the religious Jews of the day? It was all about keeping the law. Remember the Pharisees would walk around with the black robes and the wheelbarrow full of rules and hopefully with heaven at the end, right? You've met people like that and they're, oh man, they're just this heavy burden. Oh, it's so hard to be a Christian. No, it's not. It's hard not to be a Christian. It's hard not to know Christ. It's hard to live in a lost and a dying world without the creator of the universe living and dwelling inside of you. That's what's difficult. And sadly, they were pursuing the law and keeping the rules. And what happens is they started putting a yoke on people and more and more rules. And rule, there's never enough. We've got to come up with more. So everybody's always walking around just burdened and overwhelmed. Maybe you're here this morning and you just don't feel like you can be good enough. You know what? You're right. You can't be. Amen? You may be here this morning and say, man, I'm blowing it. You know, I'm trying. You're right. You can't be. That's why Jesus died. That's why he came. And so we're going to understand God's grace, Lord willing, this morning, because these religious ears would have thought, this is radical. What do you mean it's not about the law? We thought that Moses gave us the law, so that would be the benchmark, and we could follow that. But you remember we talked about this last week, the law is like a mirror. You put the law up in front of your face, and you look into that mirror, and what does it show you? It shows you that you've got blemishes all over your face, right? It shows you you're a sinner. It shows you you've fallen short. Now, you don't take the mirror off the wall and start rubbing your face with it, right? It reveals your sin, but it's not the source of salvation. So, too, the law reveals our sin, but is not the source of salvation. We need to understand God's grace. We need to understand that it's not behaving but believing. It's not trying but trusting. It's not do, 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 do. It's done. Amen? What did Jesus say? It is what? It's finished. It's not do, do, do. It's done. It's done. And praise God. We should have freedom in that. And as Christians, we should have joy to know that we're <laughs> heaven bound, as DC Talk would say. Amen? We're going to heaven. We have the promise of eternal life. And it's not because of our good works, but because of His graciousness, His righteousness, and His holiness. Remember that obedience doesn't produce faith, faith produces obedience. We've got it all turned around. You know, we're trying to be good enough. So then we'll have more faith. No, 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 no. You need to just fall in love with the Lord and seek Him first, and then you'll walk in holiness. It'll be a natural outpouring. So this morning, we're going to see again, it's not faith or works. It's not faith plus works. It's faith that works. Amen? It's faith that produces good works, and that happens as we understand God's grace, and we just fall in love with Him, and we enter into an intimate fellowship with the Lord. So as we understand God's grace, we're going to see His yoke is easy, and that His burden is light. And sadly, what do you see in every, every cult today? What is your salvation based on? Works. Works. Go knock on 9,000 doors. And if you knock on 9,000 doors and tell everybody a lie, which is what you're doing, if you're doing that, now we should, be, we should be sharing Jesus with folks, right? But there's people knocking on doors, spreading lies, and here's the reality. If we do enough of it, then somehow we'll earn favor with God. No, you won't you still got a sin problem. Amen? Well, if we go to the church 97 times a week, well, what if we, you know, crawl on our knees to Mecca, and, what, you know, and we got all these things that we try to do to somehow earn God's favor, and every other cult is you work, and maybe, just maybe, you'll be one of the fortunate few that God will love. Man, isn't that rough? Shouldn't that break our hearts and want to make us want to reach out to the folks that don't know the Lord? Shouldn't we tell them, you know what, guys? It's not do, do, do. It's done. It's done. It's been paid. He loves you just the way we are. you are. The Bible says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Grace teaches us that by faith, Jesus took all of our sin upon Himself. So here's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to see that we're justified by faith. We're going to see that we were made righteous apart from our works. We're going to see that it's faith in Christ, not religion and rituals that save us. It's not religion. It's not rituals, it's faith in Christ, amen? It's not what the word religion has come to mean today. And then lastly, we're going to see that God is calling us to respond to His promise. So let's begin in verse 1, looking at understanding God's grace, and we're going to look at the fact that we're justified by faith. What does that mean? Look at verse 1. What shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? Now Abraham was the main Bubba, right, to the Jews, right? Abraham. Father Abraham. He's the man, right? Now, you look back at Abraham, and no doubt he was a man used mightily by God, but Abraham blew it. Didn't he? He was a sinner big time. Just go over to the Middle East, and you'll see the fruit of, of him blowing it. You know, those of you here on Wednesday night, they took us into, when we were in Israel, they took us into this tent, and this guy was pretending to be Abraham. We were looking out at the land that Abraham walked on, and he, he was in, you know, he was in this whole, you know, pretending to be Abraham and talking to us, and Finally, you know, he was, he was saying, you know, I'm Abraham, you know, if you have any questions. I said, i got a question for you, Abraham. He goes, yeah, what's that? I go, what's up with Hagar, man? What were you thinking, right? <laughs> what were you thinking, dude? I mean, that was a train wreck, you know. God had a plan for it. Here's the reality. He was the father of faith, but he was a sinner. And it wasn't because of his good works that he's getting in. But sadly, they would look back at Abraham, and Jewish tradition taught that he was sinless. There's Jews that believe that. He, he never made a mistake. Uh, read your Bible. Uh, look around your nation guys in Israel look at all these enemies these are all your cousins thanks to Abraham right so the reality is that Abraham blew it and we see that he they look back at him he says now verse one says what did he learn what did Abraham discover what did this highly esteemed father of the Jews discover about faith and justification what did he truly learn what did this father of faith learn about salvation redemption and righteousness verse two For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. If Abraham was justified by works, he could walk around and talk about how holy he was. And isn't that kind of what happens? If you think you're getting to heaven because you do so many good things, then guess what starts to happen? You start to get puffed up in yourself, right? Well, man, you know, I pray more than anybody in here. How about that, you know? They call me camel knees. I'm on my knees all the time, right? I mean, you know, people started getting self-righteous. I've knocked on more doors than you did this week. How many people do you witness to? I'm li- I led, li- you know, and I led 97 people to the Lord. You know, we start getting this thing where we start thinking it's our works that somehow earn God's favor, and then we start getting puffed up in our flesh. That's not what God wants from us. We need to be broken and desperate for God because without Him we can do what? Nothing. And in the original language, nothing means nothing, okay? You can do nothing. Apart from him, and you, and within you dwells no good thing. Amen? And so we see here that Abraham, this guy that he looked back on, what did Abraham learn? If he could do it himself, if he did it by his good works, then he could walk around saying, yeah, I'm Father Abraham. I'm pretty holy. Kiss my ring. Right? He could have done that. But we don't see him doing that. Why not? Because Abraham was a sinner, just like all of us. And you know what? If it's works, then we boast in ourselves. But it's, if it's grace, we boast in Christ. Amen? In Galatians 6, it says, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that we should point to, the only thing we should glory in is not us, but Him. Point people to Him. I didn't do anything. He did it all. I simply responded to His grace. Again, if I could be justified by my good works, it would eliminate the need for a sacrifice. It breaks my heart when I hear people say, "Well, he was a good man." We talked about this last week. I won't go into details, but if being a good man could get you into heaven, then why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Amen. Jesus' death on the cross is the only way we're getting in, you guys. And He's saying if He could be justified by His good works, then He could boast in and of Himself, and we we should boast in nothing but in Christ, pointing people only to Him. Our good works, or even our obedience to God's command, cannot rid us of our sin and its consequence. There's nothing in my flesh which I can glory. I know that in my flesh dwells no good thing. So when referring to Abraham as righteous, when did God say that Abraham was righteous? Remember that it started off that God came to him and said, Abraham, I want you to get out of your country and go to a place that I will show you. And it says, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Now that took some obedience, didn't it? Right? imagine God shows up at your house leave everything what leave everything okay I'll get my car no leave the car start walking where am I going I'll show you oh wait a minute I don't think so now that takes some obedience now Abraham did that God sent him out to a place and he didn't know where he was going and he followed the Lord but do you know that it didn't say that he was counted righteous then he responded in obedience but obedience does not produce righteousness he walked in obedience, he responded in obedience. What about when he took his son up on Mount Moriah? Precious little Tyler was up here this morning. Can you imagine Christian taking his little boy, now we know that Isaac was a, a, a grown man by this point, but can you imagine any of us fathers taking our son and sacrificing his life, and that's what the Lord told him to do. And Abraham went up there, and he, and he said, I'll do it, Lord, because you told me to, and he stopped his hand, Remember? And when he stopped his hand, he said, now I know, Abraham, that you'll hold nothing back from me. Do you know that not even then does it say that he was accounted righteous? It wasn't his acts of obedience. It wasn't him even responding to what God was calling and telling him to do. When was he accounted to be righteous? It was in Genesis chapter 15. Look at verse 3 now. It says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It wasn't the works that he did. It was his belief in God that made him righteous. What is it that makes you and I righteous? What is it that makes you and I able to enter into heaven? Is it our good works? Is it the trying really hard to do better? Or is it our faith in Jesus Christ? It's faith in Him. Faith alone. Nothing else will save you. Nothing else can get you in. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but... The blood of Jesus, not my good works. So it's not when we leave it all behind, like Abraham did, that we're counted righteous. It's not when we sacrificially climb a mountain and say, God, I'll give you, give you it all. Here's the reality. Those are fruits of faith, right? Leaving it all behind is, if that's what God's telling you to do, that's awesome. But that should be in response to having already given your life to the Lord. You've given it to him, and you're like, Lord, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want me to do, I'll go. But that's fruit of believing. It's fruit of faith. It doesn't bring salvation, just doing the works. If it did, all the cultists would be saved. But they're walking around teaching a false truth. It was accounted for him righteous when he believed what? The Word of God. Works do not produce faith. Faith produces works. We've got it all mis- mixed up. People will say, you know, Pastor Dave, I'd love to get involved. I'd love to read my Bible more. You know, I'd love to maybe start serving here. I'd love to start serving there. But I've got to get my act together first. Well, I'm not holding my breath because that ain't going to happen, right? I mean, the reality is we can't get our act together. You know, before I jump in the shower, I've got to clean up. Uh... Dude, you need to get in the shower so you can be clean. I mean, that's the reality. The reality is we can't do it ourselves. And too often we think and we just try harder. You know what? If you get that, I'm going to try harder, Lord, to please you. How does that work out? I'll never do it again. How many of you ever said this? Lord, I'll never do it again. How many of you ever said that? You blow it and you get the Holy Spirit head slap, right? The conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what it feels like to me. <laughs> you know, he loves me. Okay. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yeah. I won't, I'll never do that again. Three days later. I'll never do it again, right? Next one, I'll never, right, why? Because I'm trying to do it in my ability and in my flesh rather than just falling in love with the Lord and saying, Lord, I can't do it without you. Lord, help me. Abraham was counted righteous when he trusted God's word, not when he did a bunch of righteous works. Again, should there be works in our life? Should there be an evidence of our salvation? Absolutely, but that's not what saves us. Our faith in Christ produces the good works, not the other way around. Lord, I can conquer this problem. I've got it. No, you don't. You'll blow it. Belief, faith in Jesus and His good work produces salvation. Romans 10.9 says, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. And it doesn't say there's 12 steps. It doesn't say there's 57 things you got to do. It's a, Jesus didn't say there's a good start. Amen? He said it's finished. Amen? And so we see Abraham, faith was accounted to him. Why? Because he believed God. He believed what the Lord told him. The Lord gave him the word and he said, Yes, Lord, I believe you. The Lord has given you the word. How have you responded? Have you said, Yes, Lord, I believe you? Yes, Lord, I trust you. Yes, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. That's where salvation comes from. That's where the problems of life get taken care of. Faith, not works. It's faith that works. Now, verse 4, Now to him who works, their wages are counted as grace, not, as, not counted as grace, but as debt. When you have works-based salvation, keeping the law and doing enough things, that God will be indebted to you. Trying to work so hard that somehow God will owe me something. I went, I went to church three times last Sunday. He owes me big. Right? You know, I, you know what, man, I, you know, I sold that thing and gave some money over here. I, when those missionaries came by, I helped, man, the Lord, the Lord owes me. And sometimes we treat God like He's a holy Santa Claus up in the sky. And, you know, we, gotta, we go to Him and I gave you all this. Lord, look at all that I've done for you. Now you owe me big time. And it says here in this verse that God, first of all, God owes you nothing. We owe Him everything. Amen. If I start working and I think God's indebted to me, it's not grace anymore. You know, salvation is a free gift. If I had to work for it, it would be a paycheck. Amen? Salvation is not a paycheck. It's a free gift. I don't earn it. I simply respond to what He's done. And I love this. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works. It is a free gift of God. God owes us nothing. We owe Him everything. Salvation, grace, not my good works. You know, can you imagine if it was all about how good we did on earth, what what a train wreck heaven would be? Can you imagine us up in heaven? We wouldn't be singing hallelujah, we'd be singing hallelujah me. Hallelujah me, right? (laughs) I'm so wonderful. Right? And that's what happens when you're in works-based salvation, when you're trying harder to do better and to somehow please God because you're going to just be more righteous than other people. It's not going to work out, guys. And sadly, there's, there's churches and there's organizations all over the world where people go to church just to get the brownie point. Go to church just to mark it down so somehow God will maybe later be indebted to me. I've got to keep all these rules. I've got to do all these things. But it was accounted as faith to him when? When he believed the word. Verse 5, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Salvation, righteousness is a result of faith, a result of belief. Not works. Again, not faith plus works, not faith or works, but faith that works. Not be, not behaving, but believing. Not behaving, not striving to be better. Some believe this statement is dangerous. When you tell people this, they're going to say, oh, sweet. So all I got to do is walk an aisle, pray a prayer, get the get out of hell free card, put it in my wallet, and then go live like the world, right? Because I'm not saved by my works anyway. It's all good. I got freedom in Christ. You ever heard that one? I'm just exercising my liberties. Right? Here's the reality, you guys. If you truly fall in love with the Lord, you're going to know that He knows what's best for you. You're going to know that He's faithful. You're going to know that His word is true and He loves you. And you're going to follow Him out of love, not out of duty. Amen? You're going to follow Him because you say, Lord, I just love you. I just want to be with you. I want to be led by you. Not, oh, I better do this or so God will love me. It's, Lord, because you love me, I just want to follow you. You know what? One of the words for God is Abba. Abba means daddy. And you know, when my kids say daddy, I'm done. Game over. One of my favorite words, favorite words in the English language, is daddy. They say dad, um, that's it. When Tyler starts saying daddy, Christian, game over. You have the house here. What do you want? Right? And that's what happens because we just love our kids. Now that's who our father is. He's Abba. He's daddy. And He loves us. And He knows what's best for us. What a great God He is. But here's the reality. Some believe, again, it's dangerous because then Christians will walk around doing nothing if they think, it's not my works that save me. But the reality is that work reward concept is is carnal. It's not spiritual. It's rooted in pride and self-sufficiency. The world says, you know, the world misquotes the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. What verse is that? If you didn't know, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. That's blasphemy. God doesn't help those who help themselves. You try to help yourself, you're toast. you got no help. You're in big trouble. Amen? God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who fall on their face and realize they're helpless without Him. Amen? And that's where we need to be. And what it says in this verse is, Him that does not work but believes. It's not about you working. It's about you believing. And when you believe, good works will follow. Pastor Dave, aren't we supposed to be holy though? The Bible says, be holy for I am holy. Aren't I supposed to walk in holiness? Yes, you are, but how are you gonna walk in holiness? By having faith in Christ and falling in love with Him and seeking His face, and and then holiness will just pour out of you. Holiness will not be something that you do, it'll be something that you are. Amen? Amen? Because you're walking with the Lord and you become and you walk in holiness because you spend time in his presence. So understanding God's grace, first of all, like Abraham, we're justified by faith. Look at verse 6 through 8. Made righteous apart from our good works. Now now he's going to bring in another big gun to the Jews. So they love Abraham. Who else do they love? Look at verse 6. Just as David. Do they love this guy? Absolutely. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. The word there, blessed, is oh how happy. By the way, as Christians, should we be happy, you guys? Absolutely. You know, when I see a Christian walking around look like they've been sucking on a lemon, No, yeah, born again, born to heaven, great. That's wrong, amen? I mean, here's the reality, nobody should be happier than us heaven bound we know the creator of the universe and when trials come so what because god is faithful and he's in control and he loves me amen i have nothing to worry about be afraid of be anxious about god's in control i trust you lord it's all good it's part of your plan and i should have joy joy not that comes from my circumstances but joy in the midst of my circumstances because i know that god's in control Oh how happy it says here. Oh, how happy is the man who righteousness has been imputed to him apart from works. Do you know that I that I see people who think they've got to work their way to heaven? And do you know that I have yet to meet one that's happy? The people that are working their way to heaven, they're just, oh. Right? There's a, a group that brings out books out at the Kmart by where I live. And whenever I walk by there, they're not they're not happy. It's Saturday afternoon, like, what am I doing? I've got to clock my hours, man work my way to heaven hopefully i'll be one of the hundred forty-four thousand. right <laughs> trying to be good enough so god will love me and what happens is there's no joy but look what it says here in this verse it says oh how happy blessedness of the man to whom god imputes righteousness apart from works he gives it to you it's a gift remember that salvation and righteousness doesn't come from right living but from right standing before god And when you know that you're in right standing before God, there should be incredible joy to know that He imputed, which means He gave you or accounted to you righteousness. So that means if you're here this morning and you've been born again, you are righteous. Not because of your good works, but because of His great work upon the cross. You're holy. He said, be holy. You are because of who you stand with. Who stands before God for you. Jesus standing with them. It says in First John, And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He Himself is our propitiation for our sins. Christ's righteousness accounted to us that we might be right standing before Him. Oh, how happy. Look at verse 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Oh, how happy are those who are forgiven. Hey, how many of this morning are forgiven? Amen? Isn't that great? You're forgiven. And the word for forgiven, he talks about sin, past, present, and future. You know when this, David wrote this psalm, do you know when he wrote it? Right after he got busted for committing adultery with Bathsheba. The king was busted, he had committed adultery, he had been a murderer, he sent her husband out to the front line to be killed, he had taken her as his wife, and he had been busted for his sin, and now God has forgiven him. And what does he say? Oh, how happy are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Aren't you glad that God remembers your sin no more? Aren't you glad that it's forgiven? Aren't you glad it's paid in full? Praise the Lord. And that should mean that there should be oh, how happy when we understand that. Why do people walk around in drudgery? Because they think they're trying to earn God's favor. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. It's not a paycheck. He loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't come for the righteous, but for the ungodly. He came for sinners. Amen? And that's us. And praise God for His love and His grace. Again, remember, David's blown away, and and he's just, Lord, I oh, how happy am I that you would forgive me in spite of what I've just done. Not trying to prove your worth to merit God's favor, but trusting in God's grace. His goodness, not my togetherness. Works-based righteousness is never good enough. Always hoping to attain. You've never arrived. You ever met somebody with a works-based salvation? You know what? Ask them this question. Are you going to heaven? You know what their answer is going to be? I think so or I hope so? Hope so. Oh, that's a rough place to be amen i don't want to i'm glad i ain't living no hope so that'd be rough right hope i'm going to heaven here's the good news if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that jesus christ is lord you are saved in the glory of the father and guess what you're going to heaven amen you're going not because of your good works but because of his great grace and what a blessing Shouldn't we be joyous about that? You know, when I used to work full time, when things would go sideways at work, one of the things I used to tell guys all the time, dude, you're going to heaven, man. Oh, man, if my car broke down. Going to heaven, right? Well, that's true, right? I mean, car won't matter when you get there. It's not going to be, it's, right, we're going to heaven. Oh, how happy is the man whose sins are forgiven. Oh, how happier is the man whose righteousness has been imputed to him because of the work of the cross, not because of the things that we have done. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not account or impute sin. So understanding God's grace, we've been justified by faith and made righteous apart from good works. Now look at this. We're also going to see that faith in Christ does not come from religion or rituals. Now I've told you guys, those of you who have been coming here very long, what the word religion means. The original language of the word religion is great, and I love that word. But what it's come to mean, I don't care for. Okay? The word is relingara. Relingara means to relink. What should religion do? Relink sinful man back to holy God. That's what religion means. What does religion come to mean? A bunch of dead rituals, a bunch of people trying to attain righteousness by keeping a bunch of rules instead of having a relationship with the creator of the universe. So with that definition that we understand today, I don't like religion. It's all about a relationship, Amen. People say, are you religious? No, I've got a relationship with the creator of the universe. He's my best friend. I walk with him, I talk with him, I know him in an intimate way. If that makes me religious, I'm religious. But if you're talking about keeping you know, the black robe with a wheelbarrow full of rules and smacking yourself in the face with a board every three steps to prove you love God somehow, that's not me. Amen? And I'm not interested in that program. How about you? Aren't you glad it's grace? Aren't you glad we're not coming in every day going, okay, here, i got the new rules for this week. Is number 9,875 added to the list? Oh, man, right? It'd just be awful. Oh. And the sad part is, there's people all over the world under that bondage. His yoke is easy and his burden is what? It's light. As Christians, it's not drudgery, it's joy, it's happiness. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. My best friend created the universe. Does it get any better than that? Amen? Your homie's got your back. My homie created the universe, all right? I'm hooked up. He's taking care of me. And so, oh, how happy. Now watch this. Look at verse 9 and 10. Does this blessedness then come on the circumcised only, or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. For the Jews, circumcision was the most important ritual that a man could experience. Taught that God wouldn't accept an uncircumcised man. But yet, the Bible says that Abraham was accounted righteous before he was circumcised. It was before he was circumcised that he was accounted as righteous. So it wasn't the cutting the way of the flesh and the fulfillment of the ritual that saved him. He was already accounted righteous. Now, don't take this wrong. I want you to understand. But guess what, guys? It's not baptism that saves you. Amen? Now, should we be baptized? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an act of obedience, and it's an outward statement of an inward change, right? But we don't get baptized so that we can be saved. We don't think that you know, baptizing a baby or, or keeping the rules or keeping the religious steps will somehow save us, that's not it, because it's faith in Christ that saves us. And so all of these other things are an outpouring of that, confirmation won't save you, church membership won't save you, confession won't save you, lighting candles won't save you, taking communion won't save you. Should we take communion? Yes. Should we confess our sins before God? Absolutely. But without the true confession of total repentance and desperation for him as Savior, you cannot be saved apart from repentance. There must be brokenness, repentance, and a desperation for God. Amen? And so he's saying these religious rules, this circumcision didn't save him. That's an outward statement of an inward change, baptism. You know, I have people who are down at the beach I'll be doing baptisms at the beach, and people invariably, especially, you, not the, the, the one at 6 a.m., we don't have a whole lot of volunteers, okay? <laughs> we baptize 15 people, is great, but usually people walking by don't want to jump in the water. But when we do it in the summertime, middle of the day, if we're out there having a baptism, invariably people will come up that are walking by wanting to be baptized. And sometimes it's legitimate, but a lot of times they want to be baptized because they don't get it, and they think, if I do that, then somehow I'll score some brownie points with God. Guys, it's not rituals. It's not religion that saves you. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where how you're saved. Look at verse 11. He was a sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. Though they're uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Who are the uncircumcised we're talking about here? The Gentiles. And praise God that righteousness has been imputed to us, to all of us. that choose to believe and the father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision but also those who walk in steps of faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised again the rules and the rituals hadn't been kept yet he was saved you can be here this today and you can say you know what I wasn't I didn't fulfill all the rules and rituals I thought I was supposed to keep you know what you don't have to you don't have to Pastor Dave, I've been taught my whole life, I've got to do this and this and this and this and this this to be saved. No, you don't. What's the authority? It's God's Word. Jesus desires that none should perish, no, not one. Amen? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. That's it. That's it. Amen? There's salvation. It's not a bunch of rules. It's not a bunch of rituals. It's all about a relationship. Praise God for that. And so we see here, that understanding God's grace, we're justified by, ba- by faith. We've been made righteous apart from good works, and by faith in Christ, not religion or rituals. The world thinks this is too easy. You ever met anybody, you talk to them about the Lord, and they go, that's just too simple. That can't be it. That can't be it, that's too simple. That kills me. Dude, the building's on fire. Walk out that door. Oh, that's too simple. Is there another path I could go through? <laughs> you got to, you know, give me a mallet. Maybe I could beat through that burning wall over there and get, you know. No, dude, the door's open. It's unlocked. Let's go. I'll show you how to get. No, oh, no, that's just too simple. And sometimes people are that way. They think, no, 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 I... that's just too easy. Just all I have to do is trust, my... trust the Lord and give my life to Him. There's got to be more to it. Because we live in a world that thinks that we've... We've... there's no free lunch. God helps those who help themselves. I've got to work harder. No, you don't. You can't work hard enough. He did it for you. Grace is unearned favor. Works-based faith is constantly condemning. Have I done enough? Am I truly saved? Am I going to heaven? I hope so. Praise God that we don't have to be there. Amen? We're going. His grace is sufficient. Verse 13, responding to God's promise. Move here quickly. For the promise that He would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through his law, but through the righteousness of faith. In faith or in unbelief? How have you responded to God's promise? Abraham lived 400 years before there was law. The law did not exist. And look what it says here in this verse. For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. The promise was not through the law. What was the promise through? Through the righteousness of faith. Where's your promise? Is it through the law? Is it through you being good? Is it through you trying harder? Or is it through you having faith in the Lord? and believing in Him. Praise God, it's faith, not works. Verse 14, For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. If inheritance can come through me working harder, then there will be no need for faith, no need for repentance, no need for resu- uh, uh, restoration, no need for salvation, no need for the cross, no need for the resurrection, no need for Jesus. We could just do it on our own. Adam and Eve were the only ones that were born without sin, or created without sin, not born, created without sin, and they were left to themselves, and how'd that work out? Good. Not too good. They chose the sin. Living in a perfect world. You know, if the world were perfect, I wouldn't have... Yeah, you'd still have problems, because you've got, you, you got an Adamic nature just like me, right? And we blow it. And praise God, it's not our works again that save us. God's promise... Is what we trust in. It's believing in Him. It's believing, not behaving. Okay. Now again, people are going to walk in and go, "Pastor Dave said we don't have to do anything. Well, I don't have to follow God anymore. I, I, I prayed the per-. no, guys. You believe, then you will behave. Amen. You have faith, and the works will come. It will be a natural outpouring. You won't have to strive. It'll just happen. Verse fifteen. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. We've talked about this repeatedly. What does the law do? It reveals what? Sin. The Bible says that law is a taskmaster that leads us to the cross. Right? Without the law, we would not see we are sinners in need of a Savior. The law doesn't save us, it reveals sin. It's the mirror. Okay, And that's what verse 15 is telling us. Without the law, we would, we would not see we're sinners. Verse 16, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Once again, Abraham lived before there was a law. So the righteousness was based on his faith alone. His, his faith and his belief in the word of God, what God had delivered to him. Are you going to heaven? I hope so. I know so. That's the difference between works and faith. That's the difference between striving in your flesh and dying to yourself and trusting totally in God. Where are you this morning? Are you beating yourself up every single day and just feeling beat down all the time and burdened and I just can't do it and I'm just not, you know? Or do you realize, you know what, when I sin, it breaks my heart, but I'm thankful that God loves me and He's right there ready to forgive me and He'll restore me to a right relationship and if I just love Him, I'll walk in holiness. Where are you with the Lord this morning? A righteousness based on your works can never be sure. By faith, according to grace, the promise of heaven is sure verse 17 As it is written I have made you a father of many nations the presence of him whom he whom he believed God who gives life to the dead calls things which do not exist as though they did We can trust in God who knows the future who's in control sees even though we don't Long before Isaac was born God spoke to him as if his son already existed In the Bible God speaks of the future with certainty Jesus will present me before the Father, faultless, with exceeding joy. That's what the Bible says. In Jude 24, it says, He will present me to the Father. Whoa. Quick illustration. I was down in Southern California years ago, and I was on a sales call at a hotel, real fancy hotel, and this guy came in off the street, and he didn't look like he belonged there, his clothes were kind of tattered, and And he walked in, and he he tried to go into this nice dining room, and the guy said, hey, you're not allowed in here. Get out of here. Get out of here. And then a few minutes later, the guy came walking back in again, and now they brought the security guards out, and they grabbed the guy, and they literally took him out and threw him out in the street. I was like, I don't think that was necessary. But they threw this guy out in the street. Well, a few minutes later, I'm still sitting there waiting for my appointment, and all of a sudden, there's this hustle and bustle, and these guys come in with, you know, they got these earpieces in, and they're talking, you know, and they come walking in, and, and it's... There's an entourage of 50 of these guys, and right behind him is Jesse Jackson. At the time, he was running for president. It's the late 80s, right? He's running for president, and they usher him back to this beautiful room. Right about that time, that guy comes walking back in. Hey, Jesse! Hey! Right? And the security guard's going to go get him again, right? And Jesse stops and says, hey, 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 leave him alone. He's with me. He's my friend, man. They went from throwing that guy out to dusting him all. Come right here, right? They brought him in. Jesse put his arm around him. They went walking into this banquet hall together. And you know what I thought about right there on the spot? I thought about the fact that when I stand before God on Judgment Day, I deserve to be tossed out of there in my filthy rags. That's what I deserve. But you know what's awesome? Jesus is going to step up and say, it's okay, let him in. He's with me. Amen? That's why we're going, you guys. Not because we did so many great works, but because we're with Jesus because we're walking with him that's what makes us righteous that's what makes us holy that's what makes us acceptable before god he's going to present us faultless with exceeding joy verse 18 who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations contrary to what made sense he believed anyway you know that's what faith is faith is believing and then seeing not seeing and then believing amen faith is when god says you say yes lord Okay, I trust you. You're a great God. You're in control. I believe you. And stepping out. And he says, that of Abraham, he believed even when it didn't make sense. Why didn't it make sense? Because Abraham was an old man. And God said, you're going to have a son. Do you know how old I am? I'm pushing 100 over here, okay? And have you seen my wife? I'm thinking, little late, Lord, right? He didn't do that. You know what? By faith, he believed. That's what his righteousness was accounted unto him. He became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. Now that's a good way to be described. Since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Man, I'm dead already. What are you no, he didn't say that. By the way, if you're still breathing in and out, God's not through with you. Amen? If you're still breathing, God wants to use you, and Abraham came to know that. We base our peace on understanding when we ought to understand that God, that peace surpasses all understanding. Amen? God is faithful and He's in control. Verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. In the midst of difficulty, when the storm's raging, when the, when the water's kicking up, remember that those, that's when Jesus came to the apostles. Remember that story? The waves were kicking up and what did Jesus walk on? The very waves that they feared. Often that very trial we're going through is the very thing that Jesus is going to come to us upon. That, that, that diagnosis of cancer, that lost job, that health problem, those things that are the difficulties of life are often the very things that Christ comes to us upon. And we need to look and say, I'm going through a trial God uses for your glory. I'm 100 years old. I trust you, Lord. You say I'm gonna, it's going to happen. I believe you. Abraham trusted in God's promises. Do you? My God will meet all your needs according to His riches and glory. He's a faithful God. Verse 21. And being fully convinced that, while he, that what He had promised, He was also able to perform. Many times our God is, is too small for our problems because He's the product of our imagination. Right? We think God, oh, He couldn't handle this. I'll pray for a cold, but cancer, I, that's another thing. That's just not going to work. Can I confess to you as your pastor that I've prayed for people They've been healed of cancer, and that I've been blown away that he answered the prayer. That's kind of weak, huh? That's your pastor right there. Pray for me, right? But here's the reality: I've done that. I remember praying for a lady one time, head to toe cancer. They gave her days to live. We prayed for her, and two days later, she called me and said, "I've been to the doctor, and my cancer's gone." I'm like, "Really? Are you sure?" Weak, right? Pastor Dave comes get. But here's the reality. The reality is that our God is so awesome, we need to learn to trust in Him and know that He's greater than we think. He's eternal. He's almighty. He measures the heavens in the span of His hand. He spoke the universe into existence. He's the Alpha and the Omega. That means the beginning and the end and everything in between is God. What's too big for our God? Nothing. Why is it we doubt God? Because we don't understand fully how great He is. When we do, nothing's too big for Him. Can God turn Santa Cruz County into the Bible Belt? Yes, He can. Amen? Can't He? Now, we look at it now and we think, oh, all right. (laughs) Raising the dead's one thing, but Santa Cruz in the Bible Belt, that's something else. (laughs) Right? But the reality is that He's a great God, and He can do it. And we need to say, start with me. Start right here. And let me flow out on the people around me. Santa Cruz, Holy Cross. Maybe a place that's known for that again, that honors and magnifies the name of the Lord. And God's got us here to be salt and light. Let's finish up. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness because he trusted in God's word. Now it is written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raise up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who has delivered delivered up because of our offenses, raised up because of our justification. Now I love this. Last few verses. How do we respond to God's promise? Righteousness is imputed to us. Why? Because of His good work. Do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, as it says in verse twenty-four? That He was delivered up and raised because of our justification. He went to the cross because of our sin, and He was resurrected for our justification. If you were here on Wednesday night and we showed the, the, uh, the slides from our trip to Israel, the last slide that we showed was what? The empty tomb. Jesus isn't there we can dig up Muhammad's bones we can dig up the bones of Joseph Smith and Charles Taze Russell and Mary Baker Eddy and every other cult leader that's ever lived they're all dead right Jesus Christ risen and living Savior triumphed over sin and death amen praise God for that and so we're justified because he's resurrected and because he's resurrected I'm going to heaven amen without the resurrection we are hopeless Those who believe in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, His death upon the cross to pay for my sins, that He's been risen from the dead. Who's Jesus to you? Is He a religious figure, or is He your best friend? Is He somebody that, oh yeah, He was a good man who lived a long time ago. He's the most elevated of all the gurus, as the New Age movement might say. He's he's the brother of Satan, as the Mormons might say. He's Michael the archangel, as Jehovah's Witnesses would say. Or is He God, made manifest in the flesh, who suffered and died, that we might have eternal life, the risen and living Savior, who is my best friend and is coming back to take me home soon? Amen? That's the God that we serve. So praise the Lord. Guys, I hope you walk out of here encouraged and understand God's grace, that we're justified by faith, not by our works. That you understand that we're made righteous apart from our good works. That by faith in Christ, not religion or rituals, are we saved. So what's our part, you guys? What do we do with what we've heard this morning? Here's what we do. We respond in faith. And we just say, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that Jesus died. I believe that he rose from the dead, and I want him to be my Savior. Lord, help me to walk in holiness, because without you, I can't do it. Lord, when I blow it, I thank you that I'm forgiven. Help me to walk with you. And guys, as we believe, we will behave. Amen? As we trust in the Lord, we won't have to try anymore. It'll just be an outflowing of a relationship with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the work of the cross that you suffered and died in our place so we might have eternal life. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know you. Lord, that's been trying to be religious, been trying to earn salvation by being a part of an organization or or just trying to do better, that, Lord, they would see that it's not do, 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 but it truly is done. That, Lord, it's not behaving, but it's believing. The Lord, it's simply confessing that we're sinners in need of a Savior. I'm not going to take a lot of time with this. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. We all raised our hands. We're all sinners. We've all admitted it. Religion won't get you into heaven. You need to have a relationship. All you need to do is just simply confess, I'm a sinner, and ask Jesus to be your Savior. If you've never done that, if you've tried to be religious and it's not working out, if you've tried to earn salvation by being a part of some organization, and this morning God has spoken to you about His grace, and you want to know for sure that before you leave here, you're going to heaven, I'm going to ask you to do something real simple. If you're a Christian and you're here, just be praying for those who don't know the Lord. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you, and you can walk out of here not hoping you're going to heaven, but knowing that you are because of God's good work. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, or you want to know for sure you're going to heaven, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you. Anybody at all. The Lord loves you guys. His desire, none should perish, no, not one. He loves you. He's drawing you unto himself. Anybody at all. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord. And I do pray for anybody who's here who doesn't know you. You, Lord, because of fear or whatever it might be, didn't step out today. I just pray you continue to work on their heart. Continue to love them, Lord, and draw them unto yourself. We thank you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Let's stand and close the worship song.